Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends. The monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. A quick disclaimer before today's episode. Uh, this interview was done in a bit more of an informal style, so the opinions on this interview may not necessarily reflect my own opinions. Um, it's a little bit looser than I'm normally used to, so I'm just kind of seeing where this goes. Let me know if you guys like this style of interview and what you thought of the episode. And uh, if you like it, hopefully I'll be making more in the future. All right, thank you. Enjoy the show. This week, we have a very special episode of Monsters Advocate, because, for once, it's not just me. I'd like to welcome resident alien expert and my cousin, Nicholas Sauerbrunn. Say hi! Hi, thanks for having me, Kaylin. Good to have you here. I'm glad I'm not the only one doing all the talking this time. So, Nicholas, when did you first get interested in extraterrestrial encounters? I've always been fascinated by extraterrestrials and the thought of life outside our planet or our solar system. I'm a huge supporter of the ancient astronaut theory, and I've done a lot of research on that topic. I've traveled to many sites across the world where alien influence might have occurred, and I've been to extraterrestrial conventions and seminars, most recently the Exeter UFO Festival, where I got to hear a lot of great guest speakers and talk to other believers. And I'm constantly looking to learn more about these extraterrestrial beings. That's really interesting. This podcast doesn't actually usually cover a lot of humanoid creatures. We usually do a lot of quadrupeds, stuff like that. So what's your personal favorite kind of alien encounter? What kind of aliens are you most excited about? What kind of encounters are you most excited about? I'm most excited about the abductions. In my opinion, what these aliens are doing is an anthropological study on life, whether we are their creation, or they discovered us and are kind of seeing how we progress, I believe that abductions are their way of taking a sample from the population and studying our evolution and our saga of the human race. What's a piece of knowledge about aliens that you know a lot about, but you rarely get to talk about? I mean, obviously, this subject is somewhat taboo in some circles of conversation. I really love exploring and researching and even going to alien sites, places that aliens have made contact, perhaps built structures to help guide our civilization, or even contributed to our growth in human development. Little known places like Pumapunku, Tiwanaku, Gobekli Tempe, Sacsayhuaman, Nazca Lines. There's a lot of different cultures of aliens that influence the different cultures around the world. Now let's talk a little bit about these cultures, species, types. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of what biological characteristics one would have over the other? I'm not really familiar with the different types. So there's probably three major types of aliens or races, if you will. They are the greys. Those are probably the most famous, especially after the Betty and Barney Hill case from New Hampshire. Greys are normally two to four feet tall. They can easily be confused with the green men. In my opinion, the greys and the little green men are probably the same thing because they both report enlarged heads, large almond-shaped eyes, small noses, 
and anywhere from three to four digits on their hands. Their distal forearm is much longer than their proximal forearm, which is the opposite with humans. They have smooth gray skin. They're the typical grays that you would see in any Hollywood blockbuster taking people up into their crafts. There's the reptilians, which there's not really much evidence about the reptilians. That's mostly conspiracy theory, in my opinion. They're described as shapeshifters. They could take the role of humans. They could take the role of animals. There's a lot of evidence for them in ancient texts. We have the Naga in the Hindu texts. There's the serpent in the Bible. They've been an influence on human evolution. They've been with us since the start. But in their true form, they are about six to eight feet tall. They have been described as being covered in green scales and have a pronounced sagittal crest on their forehead. That's the line going from brow all the way back to the back of the head. Some have described them as having webbed hands, gills, basically your perfect cross between a reptile and a human. Lastly, the whites. And those are, in my opinion, the most interesting. Those date back to ancient Mesopotamian time, where they were referred to as the Anunnaki, the creators of the so-called gold mining race, or us men. These are giant beings, six to eight feet tall, white pale skin, white hair, blue eyes, which is the reason many people call them the Nordic aliens. Depending on who you talk to, though, Bigfoots, ghosts, and even mermaids could be considered extraterrestrials, or friendly interdimensional travelers. Now tell me a little bit more about that. What would define something as an alien or extraterrestrial? What kind of behaviors might separate something from something that's we found here versus something that's extraterrestrial? An extraterrestrial, by definition, is anything that dwells outside of our planet. Now, some theorists say Bigfoot only visits our planet. That's why there's been no body found. There have been lights associated with Bigfoot encounters, but it could just be an interdimensional traveler here to visit our race. That's really interesting. What kind of habitat would an extraterrestrial be in? Because obviously one of the defining characteristics is that they're pretty hard to access and they're not from here. So what kind of place would you find one if they were, you know, visiting now or if they've always been? There are lots of places that extraterrestrials could hide out. There are several theories that, especially the Anunnaki, the Whites, live deep underground, and there have been some reported sightings of the Anunnaki in underground tunnels and labyrinths. And another interesting topic is USOs, unidentified submerged objects, which could play a role in the whole mermaid mythology. They could be a humanoid species that lives in bases underground, especially around Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, all that Bermuda Triangle area, which I know that's a taboo, but whether it's natural or whether it's made by some kind of being, that could be a reason for the increased activity in those areas. Now, most extraterrestrials, as I mentioned before, are usually more humanoid in appearance than quadrupeds. And obviously, if they're humanoid versus quadrupeds, they're possibly using more advanced communication systems. What sort of communication systems would extraterrestrials use to interact with each other? They could range from advanced communications, from binary code radio transmissions, which SETI is looking into, to anything as rudimentary and basic as crop circles. Could be a form of communication where they are trying to speak to 
us on Earth or trying to speak to other alien races that are observing us. So it'd be something along the lines of scent marking in a predator, kind of just leaving a mark on a location. Do you think it's for other aliens or do you think it's for us? That's a good question. It could be something territorial. It could be a certain group of extraterrestrials marking this territory as their research, their property. Or it could be just a friendly, hello, we're here, just respect our land. Well, if you know anything about science, you always have to label your specimens. That's true. Is there any documented kind of encounter between two different types of aliens, or is it mostly they just stick to themselves? According to the Mahabharata and the Ramanaya, the ancient Hindu texts, there were wars in the sky being fought between two floating cities with raging fire streaks shooting across the sky, which we can interpret as either gods fighting, or we could interpret it as extraterrestrials fighting over the Earth. That's an interesting theory. I hadn't thought of that before. Speaking of locations where extraterrestrials can be found, if you could go anywhere in the world, what are some of your favorite hotspots slash dream destinations to go UFO slash extraterrestrial hunting? I would love to visit some of the Caribbean, Central, South America locations. Aguadilla in Puerto Rico has had a large amount of UFO and USO sightings, as well as Pumapunku in Bolivia, which I believe is a prime example of extraterrestrial influence. You have these giant monolithic slabs that have been cut with laser precision. Across from Pumapunku is the complex of Tiwanaku, a temple venerating the sun god. This suggests that there may have been two temples side by side, maybe one for the sun, maybe one for the moon, but unfortunately one of these suffered a cataclysmic event, resulting in an explosion scattering these giant slabs of stone across the field. Some of these rocks have even been vitrified, which is the process of turning stone to glass through extremely hot temperatures, possibly nuclear temperatures. That's a prime example of extraterrestrial warfare. Thank you so much for your time, Nicholas. Before you go, would you mind telling me about your personal favorite alien encounter by anyone of all time? One of my favorite cases is the Betty and Barney Hill case of New Hampshire, probably the first documented case. Betty and Barney Hill were on their way home from a vacation in Vermont when their car mysteriously turned off. They noticed a light passing by overhead, and all of a sudden, they were in this bright room. They described eyes coming into their eyes, these long almond-shaped eyes. From this point, we can probably deduce that these were the greys. They had done several tests on them, counting vertebrae, taking blood samples, almost like an anthropological study. After this, they reported losing time. That's forgetting where they had been for that amount of time. It was only after several sessions of therapy that they were able to remember what took place. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been really interesting to have someone to talk to in this podcast. That's it for Extraterrestrial Encounters this week. If you like this episode, feel free to be abducted by the show notes for more information. Special guest editing this episode by Alex Sauerbrunn. Find more of his work at alexsauerbrunn.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'll find more guest speakers. Thank you for listening, and remember, and anyone, anyone can, can be a monster. monster.